This episode of The Great Equalizer is brought to you in part by PlayPod. A first for South Africa, PlayPod's creative couches for kids incorporate all the elements of a good couch fort without compromising your expensive lounge furniture. That's right. All the elements of the PlayPod are completely modular and the possibilities are endless for days filled with imaginary play. And the best part? The PlayPod is compact enough to stack neatly into a corner of the room at the end of a busy play day. Visit playpod.co.za for more. This is The Great Equalizer, a parenting podcast about the realities of being a mom or dad in modern Josie. We are your hosts, Sam and Charlene, and we believe we're all rocking the same kind of crazy. So let's get real, let's get honest, and let's have a laugh about the ups and downs of our current upside down. Hashtag no judges. This week on The Great Equalizer, Sam is not okay, and that's okay. Charlene is another year wiser. And we talk to Lego country manager Christian Imhoff. It's your birthday. We're going to party like it's your birthday. We're going to sip a party like it's your birthday. And you know we don't give a fuck. It's like your birthday. In the club. It's your birthday. In the club. Happy birthday to you. Thank you. Thanks. You're another year wiser. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know if, I don't know. Can you still get wise at this age or do you just like plod along? I, I, you know what? I see you as very wise, my friend. You, <laughs> you offer me much sage as advice, especially when you tell me to just, if at all, it's forget about it. <laughs> You're amazing. You're wonderful, and just uh, stop being so hard on yourself and and all the good things that you always tell me. So it's yes. good advice. You're right. I'm bloody wise. You are bloody wise. I should damn well hope so. At 39 years old, <laughs> you drop you drop many a truth bomb, Charlene. I you know what I should for your 40th I should like do a um. A sort of smorgasbord of your most amazing truth bombs, and we just a have an truth episode bomb montage. That. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that would be really cool. Yeah, it was a really great birthday. I'm grateful to have um, been able to have another birthday. And you know what? I realized yesterday again, like you can lose track of, like I think, oh, another year older, and then you start thinking about the gray hairs and the wrinkles and how tired you are and how. Ach, it's just another day. Try not to pay too much attention to it. But then you have your birthday and people wish you happy birthday and they say the most wonderful things that I just, I'm every year I'm left, no matter how small or how big the gesture, the most unexpected messages flow in, phone calls. Um, and it's not just about the gifts, even though I was incredibly spoiled this year with gifts. I just... I went to bed last night feeling so content and so happy and so grateful. And I said to Rhett, you know what? Thank you for everything you did for me today. It was really, this was a highlight for me. Again, Once again, every year, my birthday is such a highlight. You always make such an effort. And everybody that loves and cares for me, I, I actually can't believe that I'm so loved. And your natural instinct is to feel, or my natural instinct is to feel like, I don't deserve all of this, you know? Mm. And then... 
And then I have to catch myself and at the risk of sounding smug, it's not that I want to say I do deserve all of this, but I want to say that every person deserves to feel this happy. That's how I went to bed last night. I'm feeling emotional talking about it now. (laughs) Every person deserves to feel this happy and this grateful for what they've got. So I'm going to just embrace it. (laughs) I'm I'm so glad it wasn't a shit birthday. And I'm so glad that you feel the love that you do deserve. So Mm. thanks for saying that. Happy birthday. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Listen, but I mean, I'm emotional now because I'm so happy And your situation could not even be more contrasting. You're not okay. What's going on? I'm not okay. I'm not okay. And it's hard for me to put that out there. And I tell you why it's hard is because on this podcast, we get all sorts of vulnerable and we do it with a purpose so that people don't feel alone. But what I also get when I get vulnerable is I get a lot of people going giving me advice on what to do and and how to go about it and I, that's why I don't want to like don't give me the advice I'm just I'm just in this so what I just I d- need to say it out loud I'm not saying this because I I need necessarily it to be fixed or advice on how to fix it I just need to get it out of me exactly. is that what you're saying Co- yeah covid covid did a number on my family on my household because I also had to take maternity leave with my child. And now I'm stuck at this intersection of what do I do with him? I, I can't actually at this point afford a nanny to come into our home. It was And that was never the way we did things. Okay, well, Elijah went to to crash. And I, look, I don't want to get into the nitty gritties of our household because I definitely don't want it to sound like I'm a Yanni Yamagat, you know? Uh-huh. But uh-huh. I am at this crux of do you work so that you can put your kids in school or do you not work so that you can be with your kids and that's just the tip of the iceberg because I'm also not getting sleep my husband is also working his ass off to support he's feeling the pressure of having to support the family watching you go through all of this it's it's hard it's it's the mother load times a gajillion and I'm doing my level best not to destroy my husband or silence my children. <laughs> or burn my house to the ground. Or burn my house to the ground because I'm also, I, I now have help once a week where I didn't before. Like I said, I don't, I just looked at Ray last night and I said, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for COVID. No, one hundred percent. I think a lot of, of families time, you know? feel that way. Yeah. So, I so I'm saying a, a lot of families. Sorry to interrupt you. Mm. I think a lot of families feel that as is, but throw in a new baby. Yeah. Which is always, which was always going to be a difficult time since COVID. So I think a lot of moms who gave birth during COVID probably are where you are. They probably feel what you're feeling, and it's interesting because. We've come full circle, my friend. You just, before we started recording, you quoted something I said in our very first episode when I, uh, my, my Jess was six months old. Yes. And I was, I was in the same place. Do I work to put my kid through school or do I stay at home and not work to take care of my child? What is the, like, it's like, it's the it's hardest a catch decision. 22. 
And, and then there was no COVID. I didn't have COVID then. So I don't know how you're doing this. So it's tricky because, I mean, everybody talks about a third wave and, you know, it's still not gone completely. Canada's just gone into lockdown again. Mm-hmm. And it just, you know, so you kind of like, dude, what do, what the F do I do? It's a chicken egg scenario. And I don't want to go too much into that, but I do want to say I'm not okay. And I keep thinking about, and I will withhold my judgment or my opinion on the Meghan Markle interview that came out. Charlene, you haven't watched it, but no, the, the I Oprah bloody well haven't. So there's something <laughs> yes. there's something she said that I go that I struggle to be empathetic, and I'm an empath. Normally, I go, oh my goodness, I feel you, I feel so bad for you. But when she said in the interview, she went to the institute, so she went to the Crown, or she went to the you know, the business that holds the crown, basically, the who monarchy, she worked yeah. for, who she worked for, she said, she went to them and she said, I'm not okay. She was in danger of hurting herself. Um, and she insinuated suicide. She had suicide, suicidal thoughts. So I think she said thoughts. it outright. And she was pregnant at the time. And that's what got a lot of people's sympathy with regard to that. And she said she asked for help. And nobody did anything. And I think why I struggle to be empathetic, and please, if anybody could, no judges here, guys, like, please withhold your judgments on me. But I went, yeah, and we the, we yeah, all feel so that when we all ask for help and none of us are getting the fucking help that we need. Yeah, like, this is not a new thing. The, the moms <laughs> go through this. Welcome to the world, sister. Plus, you have And it doesn't discriminate means, yeah. just because you're a princess. <laughs> this shit does not discriminate, you know? So, like I say, I'm withholding judgment on the actual interview and, and everything because I come with my own filters and lenses. And um, so I'm not even going there because I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying that that is... The response that it elicited in me. Like, yeah, I've also asked for help. And so many people go, but Sam, why don't you reach out for help? And I've reached the point and I'm still working through this. And this is why I'm not giving specific details or I'm not coming to a conclusion here. Because I haven't come to a conclusion myself. But how I'm feeling right now is that mothers reach out and ask for help from their village, right? And... I don't blame the village because everybody's trying to keep their heads above water. But the only thing the village can actually do for mothers at this stage, for the most part, is to put them on medication postpartum for postpartum depression. That's the easiest way to shut a mother up and to get everybody going. The situation doesn't change. You're just kind of like numbed into <laughs> accepting what's happening to you. You're yes. just like, okay, it's still happening, but I kind of like, I don't really give a shit. <laughs> and I, <laughs> say I'm so this, <laughs> I say this at the very real risk of being diagnosed with postpartum depression in a week or two or a month or six months down the line. I say this um, with the realization that I very might well go on to medication at some point, but I just want to voice what I resent for mothers right now and why I'm not okay is medica- why is medication my only answer? And yes, why does that have to be the only option? Yes, medication's there to help us. Great. We're, we're not pro or against it. it. You do you. I mean, you've been on, 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 on medication like that. I've been, I'm currently on, not for postnatal depression, but I'm currently on um, 
antidepressant meds. We do what we need to, to cope, but why can't there be other things that we are able to say, I need this and it just gets done? Why, for instance, is my UIF not paying out when I've been a mm. tax-paying citizen since I was 19? Why is yeah. it stuck in the system? Why? Because that would really take some pressure off of you, just even if it's just a little. Yeah. Why is it? Moment. Why are my options so limited in terms of of childcare? Why um, do my parents still need to work their asses off because they can't go on pension yet because they won't be able to survive? It's the so there's all these. Th- that's the village that if you were to need your village, you would need them to slot in right about now and not have to go to work themselves you know my mom is currently Mm. holding elijah she's i'm very grateful for her help at this stage but she can't come to me every day she doesn't have the means to do so so i'm just saying it out loud so that people who might not for to elicit any kind of people feeling sorry for me or anything like that i would actually hate that just that if anybody else is feeling this way you're not alone, and I've been told that there's light at the end of this tunnel. So, <laughs> and I am putting steps in place to seek out childcare, and because that is something um, I need to do for me. I need to work. That is what makes me feel more myself. So, no judgment on stay-at-home moms either, and someone who might feel differently. But yeah, that is that is where I'm at, and I actually wanted to not delve too much into that I did want to however talk about my triggers and lately with you that's been I mean yesterday I had I just looked at I knew I was not okay when I looked at a a group on a parent and and teacher group on whatsapp and someone used a damn sticker emoji instead of normal emojis and I was just like what the fuck is this this is so irritating (laughs) who's got time to make these sticker emojis and I even texted my best friends and I was just like, what is this? What is this? This is what's making me rage today. And I realized, okay, I... Maybe that's a strong response I... given what the, <laughs> given the thing at hand. But, you know, it is the straw that broke the camel's back exactly. in the end. It's been coming a long time though. And, and for me, it's a lot of information into in people telling me. I'm going to send you that emoji and you're going to get irritated with that sticker emoji. Watch. I'm going to send it to you. It's going to irritate you too. Look, I rage over shit like like when I'm hormonal. I tell Rhett like we'll sit in a – Not to digress, but we'll sit in a restaurant and someone will be sucking on a straw – drinking their milkshake and I'll say to it, here is an idea. Here's some insight for you into how hormonal I am viewing the that person and the way they're just it's not they're not even slurping just the way they place the straw in their mouth makes me want to punch them I'm so angry <laughs> yeah and then and then I'm like that is not a normal response to someone drinking yes. a milkshake Charlene so I get you I totally totally relate a damn stick emoji yesterday man it just sent me over the damn edge <laughs> flip try not to sticker emojis much, but... be damned <laughs> And I think it is the straw that broke the camel's back because I've been bitching to you about a lot of pressure that I felt in having in raising my kid and having my baby and going through all of this that there's a lot of almost toxic positivity for me online and on social media and a flood of information just prescribing how 
I should be raising my kids, what I should be doing with them. Most of the time with the flood of of information out there on websites and on social media, I just, I've been feeling like I've been dictated to. Um, and it happens all the time. And just in terms of how I parent, in terms of everything, but in terms of how I parent is what irritates me the most. A hundred percent. I mean, <clears throat> either you make the conscious decision to do what feels right for your family, or maybe you just go with the flow, or you become a slave to people who think they know better in terms of how you discipline your child or, or talk to them about tough issues or um, how you need to feed them or how you need to clothe them. There's just an opinion on everything. Everyone's an expert. So I'm calling it prescriptive parenting because yes, everybody's an expert and I really don't think that there is a parenting expert. There's no, no one who I, I knows. Don't care what your qualification is because the situation itself is too unpredictable. Exactly. There's no one who ch- who knows my child better than me. And yes, I'm putting in the work and and we will explore this further on in the year. We I am putting in the work. You're always putting in the work. This is what we do on the show as well, just checking on each other and making sure that we're okay so that we don't put our negative behavior onto our child. But mm. so in amongst me just doing my level best, people telling me how I must do things according to the quote-unquote latest research is exhausting me and it's what has informed the crux of today's topic, which is all about play. Please remember, what we say on this podcast can only be considered the gospel on planets Sam and Charlene, respectively. Our kids and husbands can be assholes and angels at the same time. And only we're allowed to say so. And lastly, by virtue of the fact that we are women and it comes naturally to us, we reserve the right to change our minds and or contradict ourselves whenever we so choose. And we don't want to hear a damn thing about it. Hashtag no judges. So when I first fell pregnant with Elijah, I actually, I was a bit smug and I was overconfident. Um, And amongst all my insecurities about being a new mom, I was overconfident. I thought, how lucky we are as moms that we have all of this information at our fingertips. We have Mamahood Gauteng, we've got Lalishli. There were Facebook groups back then were really big. Um, mm. And then I discovered Instagram and then the, the world just opens up even more. And I just thought we are so lucky. And I thought I looked at what my mom knew um, and what my grand knew and what the older women around us knew. And I thought, well, there's so much more research until all of the information that we do have at our fingertips started contradicting itself and um, started not sitting right with me. And then you get stuck in this age of over-information and over-exposure to all of this information. And like you say, it's just prescriptive in terms of what you do with your babies, how you discipline them, how you talk to your child, how you dress them, what routine you adopt. There's a right or a wrong way. There's a black and a white way. And it's also filtered through play, which is what I want to talk about today because that this has been weighing on my mind watching how Elijah's developed and, and used his toys and been playing alone versus playing with mom. And so I'd like to know your, your thoughts on this initially. 
No, I mean, totally. Like with most things in parenting, there's always something that I end up feeling guilty about. Either there's not enough play or there's too much screen time or I need them to play alone too much, like do free play in the garden outside or whatever, or I just plunk them in front of toys um, and then I end up not being in the moment with them. Or um, do I have enough wooden toys versus plastic toys? Um, mm-hmm. are, the, are the toys imaginative enough? Uh, uh, does all the toys consist of character toys? I mean, they, they, oh, it's just... It, there's, there is something to be said for the information that we have at our fingertips that our parents didn't have. And I hear you on that point, but it certainly has become harder to drown out the noise. And it, 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 if you're wanting to, obviously, as most parents do, do right by your child, give them the best opportunity. You want to read as much as you can. So you are very informed, but it becomes hard to cherry pick like, uh, we'll do this, but we won't do that kind of thing, especially for me. That's how I experience it. So there are literal schools of thought, and I don't want to discount them, but I mean, even when we were young, you had the Montessori schools and the Montessori school of thought, which I don't want to unpack, but your kids go to a Montessori school, so yeah, you're yeah. familiar with that. And we're very happy with that. I'm Not that I have a, a benchmark to compare it to other schooling because they've only ever gone to Montessori. I suppose the real test will be when they go to public school next year. But, I mean, I've, I'm happy with my children's development based on their Montessori education. And similar to Montessori, Elijah goes to uh, Reggio Emilia School and that's sort of an, an Italian school of thought that focuses heavily on um learning through play but that's a big thing with our generation of parents is learning through play there's a friend of mine ascribes to something called a thousand hours outside which is drawing your kid away from screen time and just letting them explore get down and dirty with the outside world and I see Elijah's school going very much along these lines just a heavy um focus on being outside and using natural um sort of leaves and looking at trees and looking at bugs and stuff like that and and using that in crafts at school so it's less less structured uh, time inside the classroom and more learning outside and with the environment so like i say i my kid goes to a school like that so i don't want to discount it however when i am looking at at exposed to sort of what's online and what parenting journalists are writing about this includes me by the way mm. I um I'm I, I I was kind of torn and I thought let me just explore this for a second I even spoke to Elijah's school principal about it and I intend to write about it the, there's a heavy focus on open-ended toys which is um sort of toys that don't serve a specific prescribed purpose right we discussed that in a previous episode. It was around our Christmas episode, I think, in 2019. We discussed open-ended play. Yes, we spoke to mm. Rosa Rosa Krauss from Honest Toys, didn't we? Mm. So mm. it allows children to – there are no instructions, no rules, no preset sequential guides I'm reading from uh, the interwebs. And it's it allows children to express themselves creatively. And you have amazing toys online, amazing little mom-owned businesses that have opened up, including Honest Toys, Rosa Krause's Honest Toys, where, you know, those like stacked rainbows and even Imagi Mags, or, um, you know, all of those types of toys are all open-ended. And it made me think, oh, okay, Elijah's got a lot of character toys. He, he was 
heavy into Paw Patrol. He's veered away from that. He, he revisits it from every now and then. But he was heavy, heavy, heavy into Paw Patrol and loved all the pups. And then it dawned on me one day when I saw him mixing his plastic branded evil toys <laughs> with um, his Imagimags or, and his Duplo or his Lego and seeing how his imagination kind of worked to create this world. And I thought, we can't be so prescriptive. We can't say we're doing away with all plastic, all branded toys and not allow them to use those characters. They're watching it on screens anyways, which we'll get to. We'll get to screen time now again. We we always talk about it because it's a hot topic, I think, among parents. Yeah, I think most parents, that's like a, the little monkey on your back always. But so he, he loves these characters. Right now he's super into Blaze and uh, Trucks and stuff. Oh, and Mario. He loves Mario. So you know what he did? He created a little Mario figurine out of Lego. It's just two yellow Lego blocks stacked on top of each other with a little beacon, red beacon on its head. And that's his Mario that he carries around with him everywhere but he it's it's mixing all of the different exposures that he's had and it's made me think I've been dying inside from guilt that he's even exposed to Mario he plays it on Nintendo um that he's even exposed to the Paw Patrol characters or the Blaze characters but he when he's not watching TV he gets into that play that imaginative play seamlessly and, you know, it's, I, I just wonder why we're villainizing it so much. Why there's this right way and a wrong way. And, and also, you know what? I'm not knocking open-ended toys or the concept at all. I think there's a place and a time for everything. And I also think that um, it does not mean that if your child has no open-ended toys, in my opinion, that you are not allowing them uh, the opportunity for imaginative play. I think children have, and I mean, coming off the back of our Easter episode about talk, talking about um, allowing them to believe in fairy tales and fantasies and make belief. I think that um, that encourages children to use their imaginations and it doesn't matter what they're playing with. I mean, my kid can play with a doorstop and pretend it's a car, you know, Kids have that ability to naturally be imaginative. Do I think that those are great aids and tools to help children? Yes. Am I of the school of thought that decides we're doing away with everything because this is what the internet says? I think a little bit of everything in the mix um, is is what works for our family, you know, or, or for me, because I actually quite like some of the branded plastic stuff. And I know that there's the whole thing about living green and sustainability and, it's hard, and I think you just have to decide what works for you. So if you're a person that wants to go all natural and only wooden toys and sustainability, great, great. If that doesn't drive you nuts with pressure, I'm like, I'm spurring you on. Go for it. Have fun with that. I'm not capable of doing that right now. I mean, I've seen some amazing, like, dream toy rooms of just open-ended toys on Instagram on on the internet and uh, you know it would be it would be amazing and I think my child would walk into those toy rooms just with these eyes like a gog and he would love it 
but that that really isn't my reality i'm just a a girl trying to make things work here um and what i've to go so two things came to mind as you were talking now and that i've been to a toy store with you and (laughs) guys charlene just she looks like a kid herself when she walks through like the barbie section i couldn't be bothered (laughs) do you remember that i was just like i I do i remember glad i don't have a girl because this barbie shits in my house and even though i loved it as a kid i'm just like i do not see chance for this nonsense in my house and not because i'm going like you shouldn't be buying that for your child i'm just it it was so oh you think that barbie is shit for no, that no no oh shoot. sorry barbie yeah, sorry, the brand <laughs> no it's no, not it's, that at all it's that it's not about that it's, it's shit it's just the clutter and the the feeling of it being too much but it's also the headspace you're in sam so okay so that's i i, I see you and I, I think you are much more comfortable with mixing it up and I think you, I get the feeling as well that you're a lot more confident in a lot of your decisions. Well, you know what? We do things differently. I, you pulling a face, but I, I, I. That's such a compliment because literally 90% of the time I'm like, I am, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I'm probably <laughs> the worst parent in the world. Like you, I, I just, I'm clueless. You seem <laughs> very confident to me. And that's always why I check in with you because I'm very easily swayed when I, see a post about open-ended toys now i'm harping on that again or more sustainable toys and i see all the like benefits in the person's post and i'm like these are really good points and i'm i'm polluting the environment with all my kids' plastic toys and and then i feel so bad and then i and then i check in with you and you're just like sam switch off your social media what is wrong with you that's why I say you you seem a lot more confident in your decisions, and I uh, my immediate reaction is to get angry at people doing that. Where the reality is, it's the, their houses probably don't look like that, and if they do, as you say, good for them, you know. But mm, I, mm. I, it was a it's a very simple thought, but the realization that struck me when I looked at my child playing, and I realized he's playing. He's making up this grand world in his head, mixing his imaginative, villainized plastic toys and his open-ended toys, and that's okay. So I thought that I would bring that very simple realization to our listeners, just in case anybody was feeling the same way as me. (laughs) Let's talk outside versus inside, screen time versus, you know exploring those gross motor skills how do you get it right if at all Charlene look I don't think I get it right at all and I'm pretty sure if you speak to my child's teachers or my 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 child's school principal um reading their first term uh feedback reports that I I just got they they're very great at writing in a positive way, how you can improve your child. They'll be like, Jessie does so-and-so and and she's really great at so-and-so. And and she's very, uh, she has a lot of initiative when she does X, Y, and Z. Mom and dad can help her um, at home to allow her to run around more outside. (laughs) So basically you're telling me my kid's not athletic and she does not play outside (laughs) enough and her physical, her physical development is not where it should be. Teachers, we're onto you. We're onto you. We're reading between (laughs) the lines. Yeah. 
No, I have to. Kudos to the teachers for writing to parents so beautifully. I think why I'm also happy at the school is because I'm a very oversensitive person. So when I read a report like that, I take it as positive input and I'm like, okay, cool. Now I know I know what to do to improve without being told that does this Jesse not ever play this, outside yeah. or how much screen time. I don't feel like I've got a finger being pointed at me, but I'm being positively um, I suppose, uh, helped along into the right direction. I was so I was yeah, chatting okay. to I was chatting to Elijah's school principal the other day, this week. And Elijah doesn't stop talking and he interrupted every five minutes and he was saying, We are borrowing a Mario game from um a friend that Ray has so we've got our PlayStation and um I probably ne- didn't need to go into a big long uh, explanation about the Mario's not on the PlayStation, it's on the Nintendo Switch, which we also have. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, Elijah and Elijah found out about Mario through his exposure on the iPad. <laughs> oh, gosh. And he this watches. Is like snowball of bad parenting it's, happening. Yes. Yeah, well done, Sam. I'm just unraveling. <laughs> You're doing great. <laughs> You're doing great. <laughs> so Elijah watches, in, in true gamer fashion, he watches other people play Mario. He's four, okay? And he watches how they how they do it. And he is exceptionally good when he when you hand him a console, I've never seen another kid like this. He's just he's just great at it. And I hope that one day he becomes this gaming influencer because those kids earn a lot of money. <laughs> I was just about to say, listen, who are we to <laughs> criticize this damn screen time and and the fact that he's exposed to these things? Because for you know, he might be creating the next big game exactly, one day. Exactly. So you go, Elijah. <laughs> I, so I was chatting to his school principal and he was interrupting me and he was going, teacher, teacher, um, so I have this new Mario game. And I'm just like, shut don't Elijah, tell the tell her about your jungle gym outside. <laughs> <laughs> tell her about how fast you can run. You got a bike for your birthday. Tell her about that. And she goes, that's cool, Elijah. You're going to play it when you get home. And he says, yeah. And she says, okay, but only 20 minutes. And then you must go explore outside. And I'm going, that, okay, that's never going to happen. You're like, okay, bye, nice nice. to see you. You you feel that when she looks at me and she's just like, of course I know that. Sometimes it just helps to put them on the screen when when you're cooking or when you're – and I'm just like, when when all the time? Because my hands are always full. If I'm not cooking, then I – you know, anyways. Especially currently. Yeah, it's it's such a bad guilt point for me. My kid is always on a device and I – the only way I get him outside, if I'm honest – is if I'm physically outside with him. If I say, if he's playing games and I say, come Elijah, I'm going to race you around the house. If I'm doing it with him, no problem. It's this, look, Sam, I hear you. And for any other moms out there in the same space, I also feel guilty about that. And coming off the back of lockdown, especially that happened, we did fall into screen time more. And I think it's now just a habit that we have to gradually um, move out of a little bit. But I did see, and you can go back to our episode when Jesse was little, when I first had my second kid, where we spoke about, I find my screen time with Josh has increased because it's just easier because I have the new baby. You're there right now. Like with everything in parenting, it's a phase. It's a season, yeah. And there 
there are toys that they can engage with that might stimulate them more from time to time other than being on the iPad. And I think you just have to ride the wave a little bit for now. One thing, uh, thanks for that. Um, I will internalize that. <laughs> One thing I have noticed is, yes, he, he gets stimulated and when, uh, with the gaming. And then when we do manage to shut off um, and we avoid an upset by doing so, normally it's by setting an alarm because somehow the alarm telling him his time is over is better than me telling him his time is over. So mm-hmm. that is a hack, if anything. If it works with your kids... Try yeah, I've guys. done that as well. I set the timer on the iPad. When the alarm rings, then it's, we're it's done. It's not your fault, yeah. you know. The, oh, sorry, the alarm says we got to yeah, stop. Oops. Exactly. <laughs> it really works with my kid, guys. Um, so when that happens, then if I if I'm uh, diligent about toy rotation, so I literally hide toys in the Wendy house and I keep some other toys out for him to play. And if I kind of I I, I create a provocation I put it out to tempt him and sometimes he takes the bait and sometimes he doesn't and when he does he incorporates like I say he incorporated Paw Patrol into his play and now it's Mario he's created his little Lego Mario and he runs with it and so yeah I think it's it's a little bit of both worlds and and mixing it up and I don't look. I don't think that we are the only ones that feel this way. And like you say, especially after the past year with COVID, lockdown shaking us to our parenting core, something had to give, right? And it, it definitely just has made me consider how prescriptive I'm being with my child. And I've been leaning a lot more into just free ranging it, not having a schedule, not having a when you get home. Then you're going to have a snack. Then it's 20 minutes of this. And then it's a half an hour of this time. I tried that. It doesn't work. I see how he's feeling on the day and I roll with it. And I'm trying my level best not to feel guilty about it. No, I mean, I'm, I'm, I hear you. And I'm totally on the same page. I literally, I'm at the point where I, I have to just try and drown out the noise and just do what gets me through the day or the week. And I have to force myself. I mean, you say I seem very confident in my decisions, but that's me like literally indoctrinating myself to accept that what I'm doing, it's good enough. That is what we are doing and we have to do it and to get through the day. Tomorrow might look different and next week might look different, but I have to drown out the noise when it starts starts making me feel shit about myself. As always, while we like to talk and offer our unsolicited opinion on the world, just to put it out there in the form of a (laughs) podcast, we also don't like to go it alone, right? So a few weeks back, as you would recall, Charlene, because you were there, we chatted to someone uh, who I would consider to be an expert on play. Our next guest is no stranger to the power of play. In fact, one might even call him a play connoisseur. Christian Imhoff is country manager of Lego South Africa and Sub-Saharan Africa and has been with the Lego group for just under a decade now. Which means he's spent the past 10 years now perfecting the power of play. Well, naturally, which is why we're so pleased to have him on the show. Welcome, Christian. Good morning. Christian, Charlene and I have just been talking about all things play as parents, imaginative play, open-ended play, 
play versus screen time, outside play. We are weighing up our options and seeing seeing where we're at as parents. And we'd love to pick your brain. But first, you're not immune to a question that we ask all our guests. And we ask them who calls them mom. But you are, in fact, not a mom. You are a dad. So tell us who calls you dad. It's my uh, my, my three kids, uh, uh, Carla, Henrik, and Nicholas. Uh, they are four, seven, and nine. And... Uh, they keep me going, and then I think they are also my role models uh, when it comes to adaptability and uh, oh wow, and that's other things, true. Uh, enthusiasm uh, and sometimes also wisdom. Uh, if we are over intellectualized things as adults, uh, I think kids kids sometimes have a very direct, wise way of looking at things. And uh, and I think also adaptability. I think it's very important these days. I think obviously mm. with, with the terrible situation we are in, but. But even more for me, you probably hear that I'm not a South African. Um, I'm, we came four years ago from, from Germany. And um, if you dial back at the kids were like one, uh, one, four and six at that time and uh, hardly spoke a word of English. And I remember my, my oldest son, he, he, I think we were four months here in the country and then he had to start with grade one. And mm. I think he could barely say who he was and how old he was and where he was coming from. And I will never forget this day when he walks into that school. And we are in a South African school, uh, so not an international one. Uh, and, uh, and then he comes home and then he says, like, oh, well, how was the first day? Oh, we played. So <laughs> it was back to the playing, right? I think he didn't remember so much the class uh, as such. He, he remembered that uh, what happened in the breaks, mm. uh, you know, and, uh, and the smile and the gestures and the moving around. And that was his his non-verbal way of communicating, not speaking the language, uh, mm. was playing. and uh, mm. was uh, uh, kicking a ball or whatever they did. Um, that's fascinating. I think yeah, that it's, uh, that's a, it's an almost an international way of, uh, that playing can be an international way of, of communicating. Communication, exactly. That's so true. Yeah. So Christian, you've been with Lego, the Lego group, for just under a decade now. Um, in December, it marks... The big one o double digits with Lego. Sure. What has your journey been like? I think when I look back, uh, the interesting one is probably how it started. Uh, and uh, and uh, and I worked for another company almost all for almost a decade as well in a completely different industry. And uh, and uh, uh, my wife was was pregnant with our like oldest son back then, and uh, and she was about to to give birth uh, in the next weeks. And I and I came home one day and said like. I've seen this position at Lego. And she was like, you don't want to move jobs now, right? I mean, we are getting our first child. You're not going to move jobs after a decade with another company. Mm-hmm. And I said, like, let me, let me, let me, let me have at least the first interview. Let me see what, what they are, uh, what they are, what I'm going to be up against. And, uh, and I came home and I said, like, oh, I'm on fire. And they, they, <laughs> they completely, they completely got me. I think I, I need to go there. And then uh, I think two or three weeks later, I've got the job. And she was like, I can't believe it. Um, <laughs> But uh, this is—I think this is—this has been the start to Lego, and I think that's that's been throughout the ten years. I think a little bit my feeling is uh, is uh, this enthusiasm about uh, learning through play, lifelong learning, and and this playfulness, and uh, and and not taking ourselves too seriously, and and around the purpose of the brand, and uh, and even on a bad day. You go home, and, and it's sometimes still the the, the 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 purpose where you feel. Hmm. Even if it was a perfect day for me today, but uh, I still know what I'm doing here and why we are doing it. 
Mm. Uh, and that's uh, that's I think interesting, and that's uh, that's what what made me move through the different roles, um, and also made me uh, leave leave Germany back in 2017 and, and relocate to South Africa. So, so yeah, it's that's probably a little bit about my start and and the journey. And your journey with toys, I'm curious because you grew up in the Soviet uh, section of Germany when it was still divided. Yeah, did that impact on? Uh, you know your your play. How I'm I'm interested in in sort of how you grew up and your relationship with toys in that aspect. It, it definitely uh, it definitely limited the availability of toys. That's for sure. Uh, it, it definitely didn't limit uh, the uh, you know how much we like to play. Uh, I think I don't think that my uh, that my upbringing in the 1980s was so much different than than to other peoples in the world in the 1980s. I think. You spend a lot of time outside. Uh, you know, life was a lot less dangerous than these days. Uh, we were running around with a group of kids, uh, did a lot of sports. Um, also, a lot of things worked back then without toys, or toys were a lot simpler. And and of course, the, uh, back then also Lego was available, but it was pretty much an aspiration for me, and uh, and uh, it was pretty much far away for me. So so that maybe also made one of the it, it become a love brand without having it recognized really and and and, and being able to play with it as a child. Mm. Um, but but playing was important. Uh, but uh, uh, even I had probably I didn't have half as much toys uh, that my kids have these days. So I'm curious as to you. You mentioned a lot of outside play, and um, we've been chatting uh, in this episode just about that about screen time and how so you know plastic toys and you know make believe you know your 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 figurines and stuff seems to be villainized for us as moms you have the picture perfect instagram lifestyle of opening the toys to which lego um fits in quite nicely to be honest but lego also has a spin on that um the imaginative play you've got you know the different figurines that are based on, you know, you have your brand collaborations, etc. So I would say Lego is a nice mix of both, but it's still an inside inside toy. So as a parent, how do you balance getting your kids outside and getting them more active and, you know, bringing them inside and you have the dichotomy between screen time and, you know, your toys? How do you yeah. navigate that? Um. I think the most, most important one is to do it in a natural way. I think what you what you can't do with a child, you can't force force a child to something because then I think it's he or she is not gonna is not gonna enjoy it. Mm. Um, I think there are certain times of the week or times of the day where you do either one or the other, right? I mean, there's obviously your Saturday afternoon. You better get outside and play, or mm. there is the time after school when the kids have been sitting in class. Uh, mm. where you want them to be outside and they, they need to be physically uh, engaged. And I think mm. uh, looking at South Africa, I think uh, the country is doing a great job there. I think in, 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 in saying, I mean, the pandemic is, of course, restricting us quite a bit here. But I think in terms of extramurals, in terms of uh, sports programs uh, and, and, and things like that, this is absolutely needed. But then there's the downtime. There's the time afterwards. Uh, that's the time maybe before dinner or the time on a Saturday morning uh, where you want to sit down and, and you want to have the time together as a family, playing a board game, 
uh, you know, building some Lego. I mean, the, the, the beauty of Lego for me is you can do it alone. Um, you can do it alone, basically, from very young age onwards to, up to up to adult. I mean, I build Lego. Uh, I usually put uh, put some music on or I put a podcast on, and, and I sometimes also build Lego for myself. Um, and um, and it's not so much the playing. I wouldn't call it playing. I would more, more build, uh, the building and, and the fun of constructing something. Mm. But I could also build the same model with one of my kids. Uh, and then we would talk about it and we would together search for the right element. And uh, mm. we, would, we would discuss about wh what are we actually building at the moment? What piece of the model is it actually what we're doing? Mm. And, uh, and is it actually functioning for, for, let's say, the more technical models? Are they actually functioning or, have, or did, did we make a mistake? And then we have to reconstruct and have to, we have to problem solve um, and all of that. So, so I think it's, uh, it's multiple things. Uh, and, and also screen time has, a, has, has, a, has, a, has its role to play within a child's life. So it's, I, I'm not a big fan of a black and white view on things, uh, but it's a mixture of everything. It's a, it's a mixture of indoor and outdoor. It's a mixture of physical and digital. Uh, and it's a mixture of uh, playing alone, uh, spending time alone as a child but also uh, doing that with other kids, doing that with family. Because um, we all know, I mean, uh, as a child, playing with your dad is different to playing with your mom. Mm. Playing with your granny will be even different or being, uh, being an, an eight-year-old boy, having a proper fight uh, in terms of being physical, not, not mm. in a bad way, but being physical to another eight-year-old boy is also something unique. So, mm -hmm. and you would also still call it play. And mm. that's, I think, uh, that's why I think it's... Uh, uh, all of that has a has a has a role to play in uh, in children's life. One hundred percent, yeah. The we've just come out of a pandemic, or we're still navigating, should I say, the mm. terrible ripple effects of the pandemic. We're not yet out of it. We're not out of the woods, um, and it's impacted severely on us as parents, on our anxiety, but also our children. Did you notice? Um, a, an impact on your children what were what were your observations as a parent and I'm curious to hear that especially because you know not three years back prior you started working as country manager for Lego in South Africa you know so you will have seen yeah. that anxious movement you know followed by this three years later what were your observations yeah so I believe it definitely hit us, uh, hit us as a family. Uh, it hit us, it hit the children. And, and I also know the same stories from friends and, and other parts of the family, colleagues, uh, etc. I think when such a pandemic hit you, uh, I think what you realize first is how much you're missing the infrastructure you actually have on a day-to-day -day basis. And uh, there is a, because it's actually not only your yourself who's usually raising your child, it's, uh, it's other family members. It's friends uh, which, who come over and have a chat to your child. It's the kids they're bringing along. It's the teachers and caregivers uh, who have a big influence on your child. Uh, they are sometimes also physical, but then they hug them and you know, they give them uh, some warmth. Um, and that suddenly fell flat. Um, and you suddenly were, you were alone with your children in the sense that the entire burden of educating and developing them was, was sitting with you. Uh, and at the same time, uh, you had to also fulfill your other roles. Uh, yeah, your work didn't uh, go away. <laughs> a, uh, working and all that. Um, um, and at the same time, I think what also is important, uh, I think kids, we, we feel we are dependent on, 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 on things and we are, you know, um, 
don't know how to say it, but the, um, the circumstances hitting us, I think, I think they're hitting the kids much more because kids are much more dependent on the outside world than and we are. We as adults can, we can try to make our way out of it. Kids are struggling with it more. Mm. Um, and I'm feeling uh, my kids are quite diverse in the way our oldest is, uh, is very extrovert. He loves to be in school uh, and he loves to play with other kids. He loves to chat to the teachers, um, uh, to other people. He sometimes uh, sits and uh, chats to the admin staff uh, and he also likes to play to adults. He's, he loves to be independent and, and walk around in the school and look at things. And from one day to the next, it's, it stopped happening. And he had, mm. to be, had to be sitting at home with headphones on and he missed it a, he missed it a lot. And, mm. and then we had our, our middle one who is much more introvert and he actually enjoyed it. <laughs> he actually <laughs> enjoyed it. Daddy is at home every day, right? <laughs> and, uh, and mom can spend more time with me. And uh, so he actually enjoyed it. And I, think, I don't think he missed too much, at least for the first time. I mean, after mm. a time, I tipped over for everyone probably. But <laughs> at the beginning, he actually, he actually enjoyed it to be at home. So that's also important, I think, how, how, how individual kids are and how much individual treatment they need uh, in order to come to get through such a pandemic. Mm. What are some practical steps that you took to navigate this complex time and, and something that uh, perhaps other, other parents could uh, start doing as well? Yeah, I believe um, family time and, and play time shouldn't be an afterthought. Um, it, it, should, it shouldn't be time what, which you spend when, when, when everything else has been done. Mm. Um, you know, and, and, and often a lot of people still, still differentiate between learning and playing. You know, learning is good and, and very important. Playing is, is less important, right? That's what you do when you have this half an hour in between two things. And then I think uh, that's, uh, that, that's not true from my perspective. Uh, I believe, um, uh, especially in the pandemic, you needed to schedule those, those quality family time together. And you need to say, this is the time in the day where you're just playing. And, uh, and uh, physical as well as, uh, as, uh, as maybe digital or, or outdoor as well as indoor, as we, as, as we discussed before. Um, so I think as a, what is important, I think that, that, that families consider this time as very important time for their children, but also for themselves and their families. Because I also know if I don't find myself time to be a bit playful, to have a good laugh with my kids or my wife, um, then uh, I can do that for a few days and I'm going to survive, but it's going to hit me at, mm. one, at one point. And uh, so um, be thoughtful about that. Uh, don't deprioritize playing in family time and, um, and, uh, and consider also the, the diversity of play uh, in terms of the way you play, but also the play partners you have. And, um, and um, you, will, you, will, you will see the results relatively quickly, I think, in terms of also... Uh, quality of family life, I would say. And that, of course, I mean, uh, from, from a Lego perspective, um, please feel free. I mean, we've got, uh, we've got Lego, uh, social media content where we make recommendations and suggestions and, 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 and try to be playful and, and, and generate some fun. So uh, feel free to have a look there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's probably the few tips I could give. So, Christian, I, I would love to share an anecdote with you of a, a memory uh, that ha has been banked for me with 
uh, Lego and my son. Last year, in the midst of the pandemic, I was pregnant with my second, and we we had been playing Duplo. I mean, he was three and a half at the time. He's now four, but we were still on the Duplo, and he discovered in one of our drawers a, a Lego a storm troop, not a storm trooper, an X-wing, an X-wing mm-hmm. um, of my husband's. And he brought it out and he just started making these creations with it. And that's when the I started seeing, okay, wow, he, it looks like he's migrating from Duplo to Lego. And what a journey it was to, to just look at that and, and observe this discovery of Lego with him. And that day, the shops were open at that time and we went to Toys R Us that very day and bought our first starter kit and it was such a milestone so we're huge fans of the brand in our home. Um, there's such nostalgia linked with Lego. Charlene, I'm sure you feel the same. I have to tell you, when um, when they said, okay, lockdown's going to start on this date, and we had those three days before when we could prep and go buy all the toilet paper we needed, <laughs> <laughs> I, I ran out to the toy store and I bought like five packs of Lego. I was like, the Lego we have is not enough to keep these kids busy. I need more. I went and I came back with uh, some puzzles and stuff to do arts and crafts and five packs of Lego, three for Josh and two for Jess for each of my children. Well, Jess is still on Duplo, but Josh had just um, migrated to that. He he was four at the time. So he was already on the on the smaller blocks and t- we sorted it nicely for him. He absolutely adores his Lego and it made such a difference to our managing our pandemic at home. So yeah. <laughs> it's just a stock standard. I think in every, dare I say international household, let's chat about any products that the brand is excited about um, coming in. Have you got any sneak peeks for us, Christian? Um, I mean, I mean, obviously, it's a, uh, it's uh, uh, at the moment Lego has developed. Um, uh, when, when, when I was a child, I mean, in the 1980s, I think Lego was considered a boy's toy, right? And mm. it's still a little bit of a stereotype. It was, which which, mm. have, uh, which is still existing. I think it's 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 it, it has this has changed dramatically. Um, I think we uh, Lego has become uh, a toy for for all age groups. Um, from from a toddler, I think it uh, naturally be starting at like eighteen months, up to up to adults, um, and uh, and also uh, uh, girls and boys uh, and the different passion points, uh, and and we know that the the, the 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 passion points are gender neutral, right? So we're currently running a we have we've been running a campaign now in, in February and March uh, because we also know how how passionate uh, South Africans are about uh, about cars. In all sorts of cars, uh, because a car is not not, not a car. A, a two-year-old would describe a car very differently than a forty-year-old man, uh, and an eight-year-old girl would have a different perspective on it. So, so we had the little Duplo uh, police car out there, uh, and we had the, from Lego Friends. We had an electric car. Um, at the same time, we had a Lego Technic, uh, very authentically looking Ferrari. Uh, you know, men really uh, were, were raving for. And uh, this is this is fantastic to see how you, when you look at what we call the passion points, how you can address with very with with similar kinds of models, you can address very different people, uh, and that's fascinating. I think going forward, um, what we are doing, uh, we're doing a lot with uh, obviously combining digital and physical play. Um, 
that is uh, that always fascinating. We are uh, we are integrating things like uh, like music, uh, like we recently did into into new products. Um, we're working together with the big entertainment companies. Uh, we've uh, launched last year uh, Lego Super Mario, which I think landed extremely well with children and adults uh, alike. So there is a we are into robotics. Um, so so Lego literally is uh, is uh, has become a toy for for a lot of passion points for all genders uh, and for all age groups. I've noticed this. My son um, is an avid iPader, and one of his favorite games is the Lego game. You guys have a Spotify playlist. It's like you're mm-hmm. you're you're everywhere, and what it does is, and I've noticed with my boy, is it draws him back to his toy mat, which I appreciate from Lego's side. What I also appreciate is your 2030 vision. Please tell me more about this and the company's drive towards sustainability. Yeah. So, so, so we are working, first of all, we are working, uh, we're working uh, towards 2032. This is, uh, this is 100 years of Lego. Lego was founded in 1932. But 2030 marks, it's a little bit before that, marks an important milestone for us because we want to have, have made a, a significant step forward in terms of sustain, sustainability. Um, interestingly enough, when Lego speaks about sustainability, we mean three areas. We mean the way we, we uh, communicate and deal with children, the way we uh, deal with the environment, and, uh, and the way we deal with our uh, people internally. So maybe starting with this, so it's about uh, being the best possible employer and being a family-friendly workplace. That's also something which we group uh, uh, below uh, um, um, sustainability. Then uh, when it comes to children, uh, of course, we want to we wanna give people uh, as many children as possible access to, to, to learning through play. And we have multiple of programs available around the world to do that. And and also, we spoke about digital and screen time. Um, I think a, a digital uh, engagement is very important for children in, in, a, in, a, in the 2020s. However, it needs to happen in a responsible way. And that's something which is very important for us as well, uh, this, uh, this safe digital engagement when it comes to uh, such kind of channels. Um, and, then, and then in terms of environment, um, we want to clearly move towards uh, circular products and, and, and packaging. Uh, we're making the, the first steps already. Uh, we, have, uh, we have developed uh, the first elements uh, out, of, uh, uh, out of new materials. Um, we have uh, found a way to, to turn, uh, to, to make a plastic out of, out of sugarcane. Um, uh, we have used that already in 2018 for the first time. And, and by, by, by 2030, we want to be completely sustainable in our materials Amazing. when it comes to products. Wow. And, uh, well done, Lego. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, mm-hmm. it's still, it still should be the same play experience you, we, have, uh, we have right now. And, uh, and 2025 should mark the year where we want to be fully sustainable in terms of packaging. Because, you know, if you unwrap uh, a, a, Lego, a Lego box at the moment, you obviously find plastic bags uh, in there mm-hmm. marked with the numbers, etc. They will be replaced by paper bags uh, sometime very soon. And, um, and then the entire packaging uh, will become sustainable. Um, we we want to be carbon dioxide neutral in 2022. We want to uh, zero waste to landfill in 2025, et cetera. So we are striving towards that, uh, 
that agenda in uh, uh, when it comes to environment, uh, environmental sustainability as well. Well, what a nostalgic that. company and what a privilege to be able to talk to you, Christian, and to, to learn more about what the inner workings of Lego. I hope that there will come a time where it is safe again to come and meet you in person and, and learn more about the company. Guys, you can check out Lego and all that it has to offer across you know, all spheres of media. Lego.com, you'll be di- redirected to the South Africa site or wherever you are, whichever country you're in. And of course, uh, keep, post- keep yourself posted on at Lego South Africa on Instagram. Christian, it's been a pleasure having you on The Great Equalizer. This episode of The Great Equalizer is co-sponsored by Encore Clothing, a boutique online consignment store for new and pre-loved clothing. Encore Clothing sources the highest quality designer, luxury and high street women, children and baby fashion, offering you nearly new items at a fraction of the retail price. Visit Encore Clothing, E-N-C-O-R-E dot C-O dot Z-A for more. So what's your bottom line? Well, I think, I mean, just leading into, well, starting from our initial discussion about being prescribed to what to do and the saying that it's either black or white, it's very much a gray area. And I think it depends on like with everything in parenting. I think, I think the way you play, the way you educate, the way you interact with your child depends on your child, your home environment, who you are as a person, what, how much sleep you've had, how much sleep your child has had. I don't think that there is an exact set way. If you think, I mean, just if, if I listen to what Christian was saying about um, the toys and how it is for every age, just as you can't describe Lego as only being a boy toy or uh, only being um, uh, for one type of, of development. I mean, there's the creator range. There's the uh, uh, imaginative pl- uh, play where you can make up different figurines from a set of blocks, just like Elijah has with his little Mario uh, figure. Parenting is very much like that. It cannot be just put into a little box. And I think play with a child is the same. Sometimes they need a little bit more outside play. Sometimes they need a little bit more free play. Sometimes you need them to just play by themselves. Or sometimes I need to, like two days ago, I had to just close my laptop and sit and color in with the kids Mm. because that's what they needed. And I found that they argued less and they were less irritable because I was in the moment with them. Sometimes that's not always possible. So play is not only educational stimulation, but sometimes it's also just a means to an end. So the type of play you give them is what works for you in that day. And as Christian said, it's yes, it's it's exactly what works for you in that day. And it's just uh, prioritizing playtime as well as family time. And that's a, a nice, he mentioned something that really stuck with me and that's diversity in your play. And I couldn't use it in in copy or anything with this because it it actually there's a whole movement that refers to learning more about inclusivity and diversity in that aspect 
um, okay. through play. So I didn't want to. So in the way that he means it is just mixing things up. Yes, like we discussed, like having what you play or what you play with, and and the actual activity be more diverse in what you're doing or what kinds of things you're yes, doing and he, not necessarily diversity in terms of uh, a race or culture or that kind of which thing. is super interesting to learn about uh, diversity in that aspect through play which is something i'd like to explore but in this case we're talking about leaning into your child's individuality and also your means as a as a parent for me um i'm very sensitive to parents who just don't have the time or the means to sit and play and set aside that time because we have to work, you know. So there's that there's that balance that doesn't exist and there's that harmony and, you know, that we're, we're always striving for between work and life balance. And so I just think for me right now, the bottom line is mixing it up and going with the flow is not necessarily the worst thing and I need to just ax the guilt. One thing that I do have, what I've just thought about that I do want to also mention is when you said about parents' means, you know, I distinctly remember uh, growing up uh, where Lego, for instance, was a big part of my upbringing, but not because I actually owned my own collection, because my cousins or friends did, and that was not within my parents' means at the time, you know? Mm. So if we're talking about... um your means, it's not just about uh, the time you have with your kids and what type of play or what time you have at your disposal, what type of play you do with your children. It's also, it also speaks to what you, what your means are in terms of the types of toys you can afford. Um, my children mostly get their expensive toys from friends and family, which we're, I'm very, very grateful. But there's such pressure on parents nowadays, and it will continue to be that way when the next hot toy is being launched around yeah. Christmas. Mm -hmm. And you feel that pressure because, oh, so-and-so's got the latest PlayStation or so-and-so's got the latest this and that. We must try and not put that pressure on ourselves as parents also. So think about that as well when you think about what your means are. Which is also what you've sparked for me. Another, We have several bottom lines. We're like underlining the bottom lines here, Charlene. Yes. And that's, okay. I won't, I won't have another bottom line after your bottom line, okay. I promise. I'm going to have the last <laughs> word here, and that is I, I might have come across as a little bit – well, I tried not to. I tried my best not to, to be like to trash – you know, uh, places that say, you know, outside play and learning through play is important. Like I say, my child, I ascribe to that mentality. It's not always possible. And we have a lot of screen time in our house. That is not my bottom line. My bottom line is for places like resources, like a thousand hours outside and places that use nature and that as, as your learning tool, your classroom, your toys, that is a really good resource, um, especially for those people that don't have the means. So that is another bottom line and a very good point that you made, my friend. How about we <laughs> keep think, talking? 
Yeah, I was just about to say, there's so much to talk about. Listeners, you know this. If you want to chat to us or weigh in on something, or, I mean, if you disagree with an opinion we've had here on the show today. Don't you dare say it. Don't. (laughs) No. I can't handle anybody disagreeing with me, right? Okay, go. You can disagree with me, (laughs) listeners. Let's let let Sam off the hook. You can disagree with me because I like to be challenged. We like to Mm -hmm. be challenged in our thought process because that's how we we develop, you know. And, And I believe that parenting as a whole can improve and be better. If we just talk about these things, if we swear, rant, laugh, cry, we want to get these things out of our system as Sam and I do on this podcast, but this is not just a two-way conversation. So please DM us a voice note on Instagram at the Great Equalizer Podcast, or you can record one on your phone and hit us up over email, info at thegreatequalizer.co.za. We want to hear your thoughts on these topics. And we want to know what you're ingesting, what you're loving. There are really, as much as the informa- I'm feeling like information overload at the moment, there are some great resources out there on Instagram and on Facebook, some amazing parents and teachers and uh, educationalists and psychologists and professionals that have got some great pages out there that are an, a, a resource where and when you need it. So if you see anything, please share it, tag us. We love to see what you guys are into and what you want to chat about. Yeah, your support's so important to us. We say this every time we speak to you or every time we we put an episode out. You have no idea um, how much every like, love, comment and share means to us. Um, This is our community. This is, you guys are our community. um, And we want to talk to you about these things so we can support each other better. We've seen a lot more subscribers coming on because we're putting out different types of content. So please keep them coming and don't forget to review us on Apple Podcasts or rate us on Facebook or whatever platform that you're enjoying us on. If there is a slot to review us, we love to see your feedback. Yes, the more we're seen, the better this podcast will do and the better we can be for you. And so Charlene, that's it for this week. Until next time. Keep Keep your your mom game game strong. strong. For more on today's show, please head on over to our website at www.thegreatequalizer.co.za or catch us on Instagram at The Great Equalizer Podcast or on Facebook. If you want something a little more personal, email us at info at thegreatequalizer.co.za and we'll get back to you.